welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And my mind is still blown by Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> and welcome to the program. You are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where the crowd is busy with their cell phones and <laughs> receiving messages and talking to their friends. And I get lots it. Of, lots of FaceTime tonight. Yes, I get it. And good for them. Uh, we got a great recap episode for you tonight. Uh, and NFL is over. So we're going to talk college hoops. Uh, we um, did a, our latest bracket and the results are in. And we're going to talk uh, what we thought of the David Bowie bracket. Uh, NBA had uh, its all-star game last night. Uh, we'll talk oh, a little, we'll talk a little bit about. I didn't, see, I didn't see it. I recorded it. I forgot. I didn't watch it yet. Uh, it was, well, anyway, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, college hoops. Wow. We are, I'm, I've never followed college hoops this closely and we'll talk uh, uh, about uh, the, the week that was there over there uh, and the upcoming big games this week. Uh, I recommend where we'll talk about uh, our second annual Jag bags night, a resounding success over at Shea Beave, uh and uh, two movies causeway and starring Brian Tyra Henry, who's up for uh, Best Supporting Actor, as well as the uh, movie Triangle of Sadness, which is up for Best Picture. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Right. We uh, need to talk about that movie in particular. But, but, but both movies, and we'll talk about those. Uh, and then finally, uh, really the highlight, what we get all the faxes for and all of the um, controversy is uh, Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. That uh, always inspires a lot of fistfights, Vegas bets, um, you know, what will be think of yep. uh, this. And, and not only that, but uh, uh, Len's personal top 500 albums of all time. That is even more controversial, uh, but Len will give us his top five or fi his five from his list. He's in the, he's in the 300s. Uh, whereas I am rocketing up the charts, uh, into the one in the one nineties. So, uh, anyway, we'll go through all of that, uh, tonight, but before we get to all of that, you know, I just want to say real quick though, beef. Oh, we are being modest, but let's just admit that FanDuel has, Betting on your Rolling Stone and my 500 yes. at number one and number two. It's true. It's true. We're just saying. Uh, it's facts. It, it's not it bragging. Is, it's facts. Yeah. This, we just report the news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jag Bags action has really uh, <laughs> taken over America. Lots of people checking into gambling addiction centers because they just uh, can't stop listening to the uh, stylings of us. Um, in our expertise, I'm gonna I'm gonna send the Jag Bags action T-shirt idea to our marketing director Kim Declare and see if she can put that through. Jag Bags action, just like that that, exp that expression. Jag Bags action. <laughs> 
get in on the Jag Bags action. Yeah, I like it. I like um, it. Before we do all of this, uh, there was a troubling note in the production meeting uh, yesterday. <laughs> uh, a, a note that I can only describe as troubling. Uh, and uh, it just said, well, we're going to lead off the show with uh, this topic, Red Rifle Rehab. And I tried to ask what Red Rifle Rehab was, and um, and uh, Regency just said, that's for us to know and you to find out. <laughs> that's your, it makes that's sense, your, actually, that Regency said that. That's your order on the, uh, that's your pecking order on the totem pole these days. So yep. stay in your lane. Just give us the Bruce Springsteen jokes uh, <laughs> and everything else you need to know. So we're going to start off talking Red Rifle Rehab. Dare I ask about this? Well, it was inspired by Colin Milroy, who's been a guest on the program. Friend of the program. A couple times. Yes. Because I posted, what did I post? Oh, because Justin Fields credited Andy yes. Dalton, the mm-hmm. Red Rifle, for his mentorship. Yes. So I, of course, had to post about it. Right. No truth so, to the rumor that it was all about mustache grooming and proper use of spray. Yes, right. So. <laughs> How to make your hair the reddest and fullest it can be. Because yeah. mm-hmm. Dalton has really probably the best hair of any quarterback. The lushness. Very lush. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the face, also the best beard. He really has the best. He's a well-groomed man. Very, to be honest. very impressive. Colin said, I need to go to Red Rifle Rehab. (laughs) And I like the expression so much that me and your brother Matt discussed it on Matt Bags. Uh, So we're going to open that that wildly successful, uh, now syndicated (laughs) globally podcast that you started behind my back. That one? That the one? Yes. Mm. Soon to be possibly a primetime show. I've you're opening for all the smoke on Vegas, uh, Vegas residency. You there's uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of offers coming in. That's all. That's um, all I can say. Yeah. Until so the happy. contracts are signed and the lawyers have approved it. <laughs> Do you think the lawyers have uh, have uh, uh, considered my uh, new uh, podcast um, submission yet? Have they gotten to my jazz bags? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Red Rifle. Rehab, we're going to open a facility for any type of rehab you need. Mm-hmm. And the logo, of course, is Andy Dog, Red Rifle. Oh, that's your, oh, and this is the, okay. Do you need rehab for any kind of sports injury? Of course, mm-hmm. from the Red of Rifle course. Rehab. Yeah. You're struggling with addiction? Red Rifle Rehab. <laughs> Are you posting too much on Facebook? Red Rifle Rehab. So we are the one. <laughs> you posting too much. One stop. I know a few people who are in desperate need of red rifle rehab. Some oh, real candidates. There you go. Yeah. We are the one stop source for any rehab you need. <laughs> so opening soon, red rifle rehab in Dayton, Ohio. In- <laughs> Grand it's opening, probably, huge probably spring 2024. You're not going to go downtown and get some real estate next to Mashwaters. Uh, we needed we needed a big space. 
Mm, this right. is this is huge, Pete. Right. Oh, if you're yeah. going to be the one-stop rehab center of America, you need open spaces. Aren't you worried that people will kind of hesitate to travel to Dayton, Ohio? Doesn't that worry you a little bit? Well, Matt Angle won't come, but I think everyone else will. <laughs> Matt Angle will not. Matt Angle's like, I need rehab very badly <laughs> for my BTO addiction, but I will not travel to Dayton, Ohio. I'll just sit here and listen to taking care of business because I just can't stop <laughs> wallow in my addiction, even though Red Rifle could help me. Yeah. So much, so much going on. You really are an entrepreneur. You're, yeah. You are literally a whirling dervish mm-hmm. of, of ideas. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, hopefully it's a resounding success, just like Mashwaters. That was, that is a, uh, resounding success well i'm let we'll you know talk how... a little bit more about mash waters when we talk college hoops and you know why okay well i'll let you know how jazz bags goes when i pitch uh, uh that oh, what are we talking about next beef uh bowie bracket oh yes the bowie bracket yes uh so uh the david bowie bracket just concluded uh were you surprised by the by the finalists and were you surprised by who won? No, not really. And I wasn't going to do a Bowie bracket because our good friend Scott Open used to do brackets mm-hmm. years ago. Yep. So if he did one, I didn't do one. Right. But our, our marketing director, Kim DeClaire, demanded one. And since I... Yeah, why? Open, why, did, why did she demand what you wanted to do? She must have missed Opens. Do-over? Oh, she just missed she And she loves Bowie. That's, a, that's her favorite podcast we've ever done is the Bowie one. Really? Yeah. So if you haven't listened to that one, listen to that one. Listen to the David Bowie podcast. Me yes. And, me and Beeve going deep on David Bowie. Especially seven. We both love David Bowie. So that was, a, that was a fun one to do. That was great. I enjoyed the Bowie bracket. You had interesting yeah, it's, choices. It's a... It's a what I was happy about was fame, Let's Dance, and China Girl. I knew they were going to win a couple, but they didn't make the final four because I don't like any of those songs. Oh, I hate China Girl. Yeah, China Girls. Hate. I, I, I'm in the minority on fame, though. I feel like not a. I love I feel fame. like there's a good amount of people that don't like China Girl and Let's Dance, but fame, I, I don't know anyone else that doesn't like fame like I do. Yeah, you might be the only one there. It, there's something annoying about it to me. Hmm. It's written by John Lennon or co-written. I know, but every time I hear it, I'm like, no, I no. turn it on. Yep. Hmm. No. That is, I, I, we may have talked about it, but I really do. I love uh, that album. Um, and, uh, you know, there's one song that you didn't, I, I, did he release Fascination? Is that a single Fascination from uh, the album Young Americans? Because you had Fame, you had Young Americans, and I think that's it as far as songs from that particular. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I basically did it was his biggest hits. Yep. And I like consult, like I always do, I consulted some lists. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to pick out, I put a couple of ones that I really like. I had to put that Tin Machine song on it because I love it. <laughs> lot, a lot of good Tin Machine. You had, you had a couple of Tin Machine. No, I just had one. I had Under the oh, Gods. I thought you had another. Was, yeah. Yeah, that's Under the Gods of Jam. 
That's a great song. Yeah, we've talked about. Uh, I thought you had you didn't have Crack City on there. Oh, Cracked Actor. No, Crack Crack City. No, I had Cracked machine. Actor. That's probably what you thought actor. that was. Oh, okay. No, I, I had Cracked Actor. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, it's a good bracket. Yeah, that, that was a fun one, and a lot of people participated. Good participation. <laughs> there are a couple of people that were mad because they saw it late. My oh, friend, really? My friend Marlene, who I worked with like 30-something years ago, she was like, how did I miss this? <laughs> so she just voted in the final four. Oh, funny. She was outraged when we did the Elton John bracket because she's a big Goodbye Yellow Brick Road fan. And then no, our her bracket. and Jack, Jack, who always listens to our podcast, Okay. He loves yellow, Goodbye Yellow Dick Road, and they both were relentless. They were like, how did I not win? Your, your bracket also, it always inspires uh, anger. People are just <laughs> angry to see that, that uh, a certain song has Like won Kirk and the Brothers Good one. Kirk was there. <laughs> Staying alive. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk's always <laughs> responding. I love his response. None of you know music. I love his characterization of staying alive as a wet fart. <laughs> yeah, and then we're watching Triangle of Sadness yesterday, and of course, Staying Alive comes on. Well, it doesn't come on. One of the characters sings it. Classic. As walking. And that's what we talked about in the podcast, that staying alive, you can't dance to it. You can't do All you can do is really walk to it. And then that was. But that was one of the disco moves, though, was the three steps. You'd walk, you'd do this, right, and then you'd right, go back. Right. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yep. But I'm much more of a skilled disco dancer than you, Beeve. <laughs> Everyone knows this. Everyone. Yes. It's how, how you twist the knife here in the Jag Bags. <laughs> the First Mac Bags. Now I'm flaunting my yeah. disco dancing skill. And uh, the uh, the shutting out of jazz bags, despite my <laughs> Coleman Hawkins trilogy uh, opening. Uh, can't believe that was rejected. Uh, let's move on before I start. Wait, moving. Coleman Hawkins, the Illini player or the oh, Coleman Hawkins, wow. the jazz musician? You know, Coleman Hawkins, the legendary jazz musician, not Coleman Hawkins, the guy who can't even. Uh, no, Coleman Hawkins is very good for the Illini. Um, but no, I, I meant the jazz. Oh position. wow, there really is. Huh. I wonder if he was named after him. Could be. Wow. Could be. I thought I was like Coleman Hawkins. That's the guy in the line. No, there is an actual Coleman Hawkins saxophone well, player. Tell Alex to put a note on Brad Underwood's CD and ask him if that's who he was named after. <laughs> I because Brad Underwood got another CD this week. So really, yeah. Brad is a Brad is a wash in music. Yeah. Um, well, did you any other thoughts on the Bowie bracket from you? No, I. Uh, you know, I thought that the two. I mean, Heroes. Heroes is always like such a popular Bowie song, and I'm just like I wouldn't even put that in my top ten. I think be, not, nothing against heroes, uh-huh. but more like I just think there are far more good Bowie songs than heroes. And I, I can't even say I'm sick of it. I'm just like, yeah, it's good. And maybe it got popular after he died. 
heroes did, I felt like. And because it's been in every movie and TV show. Yeah, it's but what's it's, funny, it got discovered so late because yeah, it was on an album called Heroes, right? But it was under the radar somehow. Yeah, it's it's funny what songs like uh leap into the American consciousness decades after the fact when it wasn't, you know, and they, it, it was just the right that the big of a hit. right person using it in the right way, right? That got everyone into it. Right. Struck a chord at the right time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I thought that was interesting um, that Heroes went that far, but everyone knows it. Well, in, when Scott Oaken did his bracket, Heroes lost in the final mm-hmm. to Life on Mars. And I think Life on Mars lost by a vote to either Suffragette City or Young Americans. I can't remember which one. Yeah, Life on Mars is another one that yeah, I was thinking about that, like Bowie songs that have leapt. Obviously, Heroes is the one that, you know, at the time it was like, eh, it's sort of popular. But now yeah. today is more popular now than it was during its release. Um, I think, I think the Heroes whole, is the same one way too. I think Starman is another Star- one. Yeah. Actually, you could probably even say the entire ziggy started the album absolutely and rightfully so because that's an amazing album moon age it daydream just gets more and more elevated this year and it, i think it's just because when he died some people just went deeper into his catalog right they're like oh wait a minute there's so many more good songs and right yeah that's what happens uh what was what was the album that was in guardians of the galaxy i think it was moon age daydream mm-hmm. yeah i think and uh that that made that song more popular too that, yeah so what's what's your favorite bowie song not a deep cut what's your favorite like popular bowie song like what would you have liked to have seen when out of the popular ones you know as i was uh going through the, the song that i found myself rooting for and voting for and it's always it's um i've always liked it but for whatever reason, it's really sticking with me now. And I really like it. Um, it's my favorite right now. And that's Golden Years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, went pretty far. I just, when I was listening to it, I was like, this song rules. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like almost overlooked. And I don't know, it's just like, it's cool. It's kind of like danceable. Um, it's, but it's also like moody and... He's got a great vocal, you know, run for the shadows, run. Yeah. For... yeah. And always so cool, super cool. Yeah. And um, yeah. So right now it's golden years. That would be my, what about you? Well, the ones that just popped in my head now are like rebel rebel and mm-hmm. suffragette city. Yep. Those are both giant jams, giant jams. But I love, I mean, I love anything. Once they be started us. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only one I would other also pick is Gene Genie, also with like mm. Super Jam, um, but like let Mick Ronson, anything that's got Mick, not Mark Ronson, the uh, super producer, but Mick Ronson, who was in Bowie's band, because that guy knows his way around a guitar and really gave that, you know, that sound that he's on Ziggy Stardust and just punches up a lot of early Bowie, which is, you know jams yeah. su- superior guitar stuff mm-hmm. so 
He's a big and, part and, uh, changes too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Just, just kind of just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Always, uh, changes always seems to be up there as far as like, cause that's a very kind of cinematic. That's a song that you see on TV and movies all the time. Yeah. That's like, that's like one. I think I've known since I was a kid mm-hmm. and I've liked it since I was a kid, but the lyrics are so great. But when you're a kid, you're just listening to it. Cause it's a good song. You're not really know what he's really singing about. Right. And it just kind of grows on you even more. And he's, it's a really good, it's a really good vocal on it too. Very, and it's a little sad. That's like a very yeah, sad yeah. kind of melancholy yeah. song. Yeah. And yeah. You, you heard that played a lot after he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, uh, that might be part of it too. It's heroes just... and changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, good bracket. Good bracket, yeah. Len. Thanks, What's the Ken. next one? What's the next bracket? Famous inventions. What the famous? The next. <laughs> That's the one you're gonna do. <laughs> Uh, I got it down to 256, so uh, I got to get down to 64. This is our next uh, main topic podcast. I got to seed it out, and it's high school movies. Oh, that'll be great. Gosh. Talk about getting yelled at. (laughs) You're just a, you're just a, you know, just a masochist. You're just like. Just love the abuse. That's, that's part of the fun, Beef. No, no truth to the rumor that you also, this also comes out where um, Len walks down the street wearing an Andre Drummond Bulls jersey. Um, he, uh, <laughs> in jeans, then shoots and hoops. Ah, uh, that's the funniest line ever. <laughs> I still laugh at that. Should we, uh, should we? Oh, what's uh, so? Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, so I'll have Declan. Take okay. Yeah, I bumped my cord and then I couldn't hear anything. Okay. Uh, um, so should we move on to college basketball? Yes, I have a question for you. I'm ready. This is really the most you've been into college basketball. I have never been into it more. Is it? But you love March Madness, though, right? I love March Madness. And... um. But usually, like once March Madness, usually I'll get into it like once the conference tourneys start. Yeah, yeah. And I'll follow it, but I don't watch the games nearly as much. Okay. But this year I have watched because Northwestern's always been so terrible. So I don't have I don't have a dog in the fight. But it, but well, the year the Northwestern made the tournament for the first time, I was watching then. Got a little bit late, or just. Yeah, I came to it late. I don't think I trusted it as much. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. I was just curious about that. That was probably the second year that I was really into college basketball. That's Mm -hmm. number two. Yeah. And this is number one by far. And there was a year, well, my wife went to Marquette. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Marquette had a couple of Sweet 16 seasons. 
So I definitely followed it then. Mm-hmm. And of course, the year they went to the final four. Um, but unbelievably, that was 20 years ago. That was the anniversary. They had a big, they had all the, the entire team plus Crean back at, you know, the, they play a, a, where the Bucks play, Pfizer Arena. Mm-hmm. So they're all wearing their blazers, even Wade. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was neat. Mm-hmm. So what's really weird too is that, so Marquette is ranked 10th in the nation. So, yeah. so it's Marquette fever around here. And now it's Northwestern fever as well. <laughs> what if they play each other? <laughs> and the uncomfortable Sports Illustrated did their mock bracket and they have NU playing Marquette in the second round. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah. If NU wins, I'll have to start living with you because <laughs> I, yeah, that would be. We have a, an extra room, Eve. That'd be a marriage ender for sure because I would just. Everybody, everybody here likes you, Eve. Yeah, we I'd be like, in your face. Yeah. In your face. Then the suitcase, you know, flying out after me. Yeah. I'd be like Felix Unger in the odd couple. I'd like. Len, please pick me up at the Wendy's in Belmont. Yeah, please pick me up there. I don't have a car. (laughs) Yeah, I am. And that's that's the type of matchup they love. Those those seem to happen, no beef. So it might happen. It could. It definitely could. And uh, Big Ten versus Big East, they like that too, and they're both in proximity of each other. Yeah, everything about that is what they want. Taylor made, so it really could happen. Schnabel will be just in my face. Our good friend Eric <laughs> Schnabel, he is he is Johnny Marquette. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a season ticket holder. He gives money to so because right that, now, so okay, so Marquette's a ten seed. They're the 10. So, I mean, well, they're ranked 10th. Ranked 10th. Ranked 10th. Yeah. Ranked 10th. Right. So, you figure if they stay at, if they stay in that general, they should be a three seed. They would be a three seed. Northwestern right. right now is, what are they ranked? 25th tw- or 21st? 21st. 21st. So, so doing it'd the probably math, be like a six seed. Six seed. So, that does line up. It does. Three, three versus six. Yeah. Three versus six in the second round. Yeah. That's what Sports Illustrated was saying. However, uh, Northwestern um, in football and in basketball, the minute they're ranked, uh, get ready for uh, a losing streak. This is how they <laughs> they I don't they, think so. They get into the twenties and then I don't think so. So, but they've been they, but this bunch has been defying the odds all year long. So I wouldn't put it past them. They beat Iowa by twenty, beef. Unbelievable. I, I mean, I guess shocked. it is believable. I was shocked. Um, if they can hold Iowa to 60, the ceiling is getting higher, Beef. By the way, uh, so our friend Kevin Stern, who is a Northwestern sports nut and has been on uh, the pod to talk about the 10 greatest football games mm-hmm. in Northwestern history, is uh, he's texting with uh, – just several points of outrage um, about these new rankings. Uh, in particular, Northwestern and Indiana. So NU's record is 20 and seven. Mm-hmm. Iowa's 19 and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've beaten Indiana twice. They're the only team to beat Indiana in Bloomington this season. Mm-hmm. Big 10. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
they have a better conference record. They have a better record against quad one. Opponents. Yeah, you sent me that text where they're like fifth in quad one wins or something. Yeah. Right. And they should be ranked higher. And yet IU is ranked ahead of Northwestern. Mm-hmm. There's two reasons for that beef. This is what I think. One is the disbelief that a team that was picked pretty much by everybody to be second to last in the Big Ten is doing this well. Yeah. So they're almost like afraid to rank them. And then the other thing is they don't have a marquee player. Indiana does. They do. That's right. That's right. But they should be ranked higher. He's absolutely right. He's well, someone's right. uh what was it? I think it was uh I agree. And um someone said that the reason that they are not yet higher is that they're Ken Palm. What is Ken Palm? What is that? Is that like um is that like a a, a super villain Ken Palm? It's some sort We're, of rating thing, but I've their watched Ken, their Ken Palm rating is very low. And that's what's hurting them as far as. So Indiana's Ken Palm rating is superior to use it. That's why. So Ken Palm. Efficiency, player stats, point distribution, whatever. It's nonsense. It's it nonsense. Is. Yeah. They're trying to like say, well, we just consulted the data. The, the data. Quiet. Just, just watch them play. Exactly. Well, they've they got. Shut, the, they shut teams down. Well, they've got two huge games this week. I mean, it, the tests don't stop because they got Illinois in Champaign. That one they might lose. I have a that's, feeling they're going to lose that one. That's that's a rough, rough. Because Illinois needs that game, and they've got to really that game. need that. I don't know if they got it. I was looking at Illinois' schedule right before the podcast today. Yeah. They're playing. Let me check the score real quick. Illinois is playing Minnesota. They have to win that game because Minnesota is oh, the worst, worst team in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's that's. Oh yeah, game. they're about to win. And then they play Ohio State. Another that should later in the season. That'll get them in the tournament because they'll have ten wins in the Big Ten. But if they want to improve their seed, beating Northwestern would be big. Beat. And then they, I think they play Purdue again, in Michigan. So if if they don't get Maybe two out of three of those uh, teams I just mentioned, the good teams. Michigan, I'm calling good now because they've been playing pretty well. They had a bad start to the year, but they've had some good wins now. But if Illinois can beat Northwestern and either Purdue or Michigan, maybe they get a halfway decent seed, like a six or a seven instead of an eight or nine. Because those eight or eight versus nine games are brutal. Right. Those are almost always like one possession games. Right. So it'd be, it'd be a good start for them if they beat Northwestern if they want to. Imp- but I think, I think one more big 10 win gets them in for sure. Illinois. No it was looking a little shaky for a while. Cause they had some losses. I like, man, you can't lose that game. Well, I, that Indiana game was, that was a, that was a tough one. I mean, that was a great game. Um, I mean, that was a really, really good game. And that went down to the end. And I mean, Illinois, that was there for, that was there for the Illini to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just came up a little short. That's, yeah, that's I just, in Bloomington. That was tough too. I just don't, I don't see them even, they might not even win one game in the tournament because 
they just haven't gelled all these little different parts they have the transfers and it just hasn't worked and i don't like their coach i don't think he's a good coach so they might get in but i'm not i wouldn't be surprised if they lose immediately yeah, if, they, if, if they if yeah. they do have a pretty decent tournament it'll be because their three main guys figure it out together and they all play well if shannon Meyer and Coleman Hawkins play well every game, but that hasn't happened all year. It's never all three of them. Yeah. Even in some of their really good wins, one of those guys doesn't play that well. It's just, just how it is for whatever reason. They've, they can, they've shown that they can get hot and they just need to do that again. Um, yeah. I mean, but it's like one, one, not so good game, you're out. Yeah, well, that's true. They need to be playing well going into the tournament. And then and they don't carries over. And their insane coach is not the guy you want to have when you're in a high pressure game. <laughs> I don't understand what you're talking about. Uh, Brad Underwood is the definition of cool, calm, and collected. That guy is a ultimate foxhole man. Anyway. One thing I well I'm, I'm Done with the line, but going back to Northwestern, what was nice about yesterday, just looking at the stats, is Barnheiser and Tyberry had really good offensive games. I didn't watch the game, so but that's gigantic because Audij didn't even shoot that much. He was like three for seven or something. Yeah, they need a third. What was, what was going on? They, they went by twenty though. Maybe they took Audij out early. I don't know if they're up big late in the game, so they just took everybody out. They need that consistent third scorer because when they do, then they're very, very tough. So Barnheiser has shown real signs of life there. Barnheiser can. I like Barnheiser. I do too. I don't like his haircut, but I like him. His mustache has got to go. (laughs) What is the haircut and a mustache? Barnheiser's walking around campus. I mean, NU is like prides themselves on like you know expensive clothes and people around. (laughs) finest haircuts here's barnheiser with that mustache so but you you can bet barnheiser is meeting people uh since uh january has started everyone knows who brooks barnheiser is now yeah uh martinelli is another one that i like he's i do too i, I mean he's making contributions and barry barry is so hot and cold because against indiana he he was having trouble even hitting the rim on yeah, I don't. Attempts. Yeah, he's. You never know what you're going to get from him. He does play good defense, though. So he's up and Barry's up and down. The whole team does, though. Their whole everybody on that team is playing good defense. Yeah. So and Boo Booey is playing like he he doesn't want his career to end. He's just been, especially the past couple weeks, he's been incredible. He's been outstanding. Yeah. I mean, so, he's he's so quick that he just gets past guys all the time. Right. Right. So but we'll nowadays, see. but not the past two weeks at least, he hits all those shots instead of missing them. He used to do that a lot and miss them. But now I'm looking forward to the tournament. Yeah, yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah, if a team, like nobody should underestimate that team. I think those days are done, and they're going to have to deal with that with being, you know, going from the hunter to the hunted, especially in the Big Ten tournament, because you know teams like Purdue. Uh, Iowa, particularly Indiana, is Indiana smarting. 
they have taken so much abuse for losing twice to NU. You know they'd love to get a third crack at them in that tournament. Even well, though it probably won't mean anything. It doesn't. It does really doesn't. Yeah. It almost might help Northwestern a little bit if they lose a couple. Because then they're a little more under the radar. I worry that they're peaking too early. That's my... It's it's all so. gelling for them. So is it just the beginning or is that is this their peak and they're going to run out of steam? I don't think so. That Iowa game that I missed because of Oscar, uh, the Oscar party, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> you know, I kept trying to change the channel and... Uh, Francis McDormand was, you know, there saying, "No, we're yeah, gonna watch the, ruler. We're gonna stay awake for the movie that you couldn't stay awake for last year." Be yeah. And Denzel Washington showed up, had some tortilla soup. He did. Yep. Did. Glared at you. Oh, he was he was hostile sometimes. Yeah. And we left on good terms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they too were blown away by Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> uh. Anyway, anything else on uh, college hoops that? Um, well, one more, th- well, one more thing about Northwestern. So, if they lose the line, that's no big deal. I mean, even if they don't stay ranked, they should get a decent seed no matter what, unless they lose the rest of their games, but which won't happen. They have four more games, and, and then the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. The Big Ten tournament doesn't really mean anything. I guess if Northwestern won the tournament, their seed would get better. But I don't, sometimes I almost think that's wasted energy. I mean, you, you try to win, but if you don't, because the actual March Madness is what's important. It's like it's a giant money grab. And so like yeah. what? The only teams that really take the tournament seriously are those on the extreme bubble where they're like, okay, we got to yeah, win the tournament yeah, right, right. to get in. So that's those not, are the only that, ones playing with it for, and the rest are like, whatever, yeah, which I think fine. hurts them because you kind of lose your edge going into the tournament because you're playing kind of games that really don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, and then you've got to ramp back up again for the term, but I guess every conference goes through it, so I guess everyone's at the same sort of disadvantage, I suppose. Yeah, I'm just okay, looking well, for reasons to fret. <laughs> you're gonna fret no matter what, Dave. I am. I told everyone you're like a Cubs watch, fan, you're like a Cubs fan. Yeah, I need to watch these games alone, other <laughs> either that or drive up to Evanston where I can sit with other old white guys like me, and you can just come. <laughs> You know, walk around and stare at each other and walk, go outside. <laughs> you should come with me. That'll be fun. Sitting around a bunch of. Yeah, let's see how the, where the games line up and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, uh, that'll, that'll be a scene. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. I got one last question for you. And this is about Loyola. Yeah. But Loyola has three or four veterans on their team that have been through all these postseasons and do you think maybe they can pull off some upsets in their conference tournament? They have had a bad year, but being used to that pressure can really help. I think that it will help, but I just think they're too 
small and they're too undermanned. Mm-hmm. I, I think what game did I watch them? Oh, they were playing St. Joe's and Loyola was hanging with them, hanging with them. And it was a close game until about five minutes left in the game. And then just Loyola was spent. They were just too small. And St. Joe's was just too big and strong. And they just Loyola had nothing down the stretch. And I just think that's been the bit there. I, I feel like that's been their basic issue all season long. So I love your thinking and I hope I'm wrong, but that's, that's why I'm thinking. It actually uh, just popped in my head while I was writing I down know. my notes today. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe something will happen. They're playing Fordham, uh, like trying to get in the tournament because I imagine with the Atlantic 10, it's not like the horizon league that Loyola was in where basically you have to win the conference to get in Mm -hmm. here. Maybe not so much the case, but I don't know how many teams from the Atlantic 10 get let in. Obviously Loyola has got to win it to. Yeah. They don't have a chance otherwise. They've had such a bad season. They really have. But like you've got um, VCU uh, and St. Louis. Those are the top teams in the conference. And Dayton, um, future home of Red Rifle Rehab. Um, (laughs) You wonder how many of those if like all. And then Fordham's like not far behind. They're two games back. Yeah. So you wonder if how many of those teams will make the tournament? I don't know. Well, Dayton seems to be a team that's always in the tournament. They do. Same with these. So what would, (laughs) what would help my upset? I won't even say a prediction, but possibility would be if Dayton got upset in an early round of the conference tournament, Yep. And then Loyola beats these less seasoned tournament teams mm-hmm. and shockingly <laughs> makes the tournament. And the record would be like 14 and 20 or something. That would be incredible. Yeah. That would be incredible. Well, I'm going to call it a prediction if it works. If it doesn't happen, I'll be like, no, oh, it was just a possibility. I'm on board. I'm on, I support you yeah. on this. <laughs> um, and, uh, if they make it, then um, we'll have Coach Drew Valentine on for uh, jazz bags uh, <laughs> as a guest. We'll have Coleman Hawkins and Coleman and Hawkins. Coleman Hawkins and Drew Valentine. Yeah. Call him my funny Valentine to keep in with the jazz. Anyway, this is going down a dark path, so maybe we should uh, switch gears. And... But it's a good transition to NBA. It so is now a... I was just talking about the possibilities for Loyola. Mm-hmm. I actually like this move that the Bulls are doing where they're going to get Patrick Beverly. He's going to give them some toughness and some fire. I like that's it. what they need. I like it. I didn't like getting Westbrook. I guess Westbrook's going to sign with the Clippers, so I'm glad we're not getting him. Mm-hmm. But Beverly is a Chicago guy. Yeah. He's not going to stand for anything. Nope. And who knows? I, I like it. I like it. Beverly is wherever he goes. He plays really hard. He doesn't care about, you know, getting the ball or any of those kinds of um, things. And, but he's going to demand accountability and maybe he's just what 
everyone, you know, if, if he's like, Hey, play as hard as me, I'm, I'm knocking myself out here trying to guard their best guy. Yeah. It gives them another disruptor. Yep. And maybe these games where the bulls are up by a lot, the other team's not going to be able to come back if their defense just increases slightly better with Beverly. Mm-hmm. So instead of losing these close games, cause they couldn't hold the lead. Now maybe they'll be able to hold the lead. I can't wait until Beverly starts screaming at Andre Drummond. <laughs> that's no, going to be the. I think he's going to be the greatest. Screaming at Zach Levine. That's what I think he's going to be. Screaming. That'll be number two. Uh, Pat Bev screaming at at Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. Well, it's always one guy. Sometimes it's one guy that makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily a marquee guy. I know I've talked about it before when the Celtics got uh, Derek White. No one batted an eye, but then the Celtics transformed down the stretch. So, yeah. So there's a glimmer of hope for me yep. for the Bulls. Maybe this works. It. Maybe this little bump of all the players. Maybe this is the one guy we needed. Now the Bulls have lost six in a row, yeah. so they they need to regroup. Um. And now with Beverly in the fold, uh, their next game is against Brooklyn. That's a winnable game. So they get off the schneid and then really can start focusing, you know, hopefully on just getting into the playoffs. Right. Yeah. And we've said this a bunch of times, they've beaten good teams this year. Just get in there. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. For whatever reason, they can beat good teams this year, and then they have bad games against bad teams. Right. Yeah. They're not. They're not that far off. They're. Uh, oh, the play-in. I mean, I think that the play-in is the best they can do. I don't. They need to go crazy to get to like the top six seeds. How many wins does the number six team have right now? 30, they're, they're, um, they are uh, six and a half back of the six-seed Knicks. How many wins do the Knicks have? 33. 33. The and Bulls have games, 26. How many, how many games are left? About 23 games left. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, that, some, some major things would have to happen. They'd have to go like 18-5 or something crazy. Like yeah, they they... But Pat Bev can be the spark. He could be. That he could be. 19 and four run. And again, we have the talent. If the Bulls went 19 and four down the stretch, they would finish with a 45 and 37 mark, which gets should get them in. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Knicks would have to go 12 and 10 down that stretch. Same stretch. So mm-hmm. it's certainly plausible. Yeah. Certainly plausible. We're <laughs> doing some Loyola and Bulls pipe dreams today on Jagbacks. I and I am here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch any of the All-Star game stuff? The defense in the All-Star game was so <laughs> I mean. I mean, I mean, they just, they stopped caring about defense. 
And I uh, switching up all this stuff was going to make him play defense, though. Yeah, I, there was zero. I thought at one point I was like, "Well, the one of these teams is going to get two hundred points. They're going to get to two hundred points because no one is guarding anybody. Mm-hmm. They basically ran out uh, some clearouts where like one guy could go one on one against another, and so all eight guys just basically stood over by the scorer's table and let one guy go one on one. I was like. All right, well, you know, if we're going to see a lot of cool moves and guys not really trying on defense, um, <coughs> I suppose this is your thing. And um, uh, who was it? Oh, uh, Malone, the coach of the Nuggets. Yeah, he's the one who said that about the defense. After yeah. the game, he was like, well, that was awful. <laughs> And um, Stephen A. Smith was also just like saying the arrogance of the participants in this game is unconscionable. And yeah. he was really. Um, I'm going to watch it. Oh. Taking them to task. Just not any defense. It's not, it, there's like there's some games where you say not a lot of defense. And then there's other where you're like not any defense. This was yeah. definitely in that latter category. Yeah, I don't mind it at the very beginning of the All-Star game. But you think towards winning time, they play yeah. defense. Yeah. No, it was uh, – I think that, that I think sometimes these have to happen because then the players wake up and say, hey, we got to try here. Mm-hmm. Um, they have nothing to play for. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they, so they, there's no incentive. You know, you feel like the All-Star games – well, baseball – you know that's still fun even though it doesn't mean as much but like the pro bowl is now a a bunch of skills challenges it's not but i like that they played flat football this year i didn't watch it but i might watch it next year maybe because you get in football nobody wants to get actually nobody wants to get hurt in any of the sports but football is most likely to get hurt so play flag you still get to see these guys wide receivers and quarterbacks you still get to see their skill yeah, I would, I would watch that. Yeah, there's too much money involved, and so nobody wants to risk, you know, the hundred million dollar investment. Yeah, you know, tearing an ACL. Mm-hmm. So, can you imagine if, like, one of the main guys, like, say, Luca, tore his ACL and was out for the season? I mean, people would lose their minds. Yeah. So, you know, I get it. it it's just you know, times have changed and. I don't know if they, they've got to f- figure out something, but like, I feel like the all-star game as we know, it might be a thing of the past, which, you know, I, I, I don't shed a lot of tears about what I like about all-star games is seeing guys. I don't see that much. True. That's why I want to watch them. Right. Like baseball, especially baseball, because I basically just watched Cubs. So I watched the All-Star game, and then I see all these other guys that are stars that I've never really seen play. Right. And basketball, kind of the same thing. If I mean, I watched most of the Bulls games True. this year with gritted teeth. Lots of... So I, know, uh, I know the basketball players better than the baseball players, but I still want to see mm-hmm. all these guys play. No doubt. I put a little more effort, though. Anything else on? Uh, no, that's about it for me. NBA. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, let's, should we talk about, use I recommend to talk about the two movies that <laughs> we saw at, at I have it separate. I have second my own annual Oscar party. I have my own I recommends. And All right, you go. Update. Okay, you go first with your I recommend. So my I recommends are two albums. One is Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Deluxe Edition. Ooh. Came out last year. So for your if you're a Wilco fan, you need to have this. Uh, three extra cuts on that that I really like are Venus Stop the Train, Cars Can't Escape, and Shaken Sugar. I really love Venus Stop the Train. I wrote down one of the lyrics. I kept my distance because she fell in love with everyone. Smoking grass and taking Christmas trees. I love that lyric. So if you're, I know you're not a Wilco fan, B, but if you're a Wilco fan, get it. Okay. Really good. Okay. My other album is It's Almost Dry by Pusha T. Also came out last year. I always like his albums. And <laughs> All he does is sing about cocaine. <laughs> and this one, he calls him Cocaine's Dr. Seuss, <laughs> which I thought was a great line. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, I always enjoy his stuff. When you need the latest on cocaine-fueled hip-hop albums, no further <laughs> than Jag Bags, we have all the insight on that. Yeah, and he's been doing it for a long time now. Yeah. Here's another cocaine album from Pusha T. <laughs> and we have it covered. But I enjoy, I enjoy them. Out of it. all his cocaine covered albums, uh, <laughs> this one I like the best. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's called It's Almost Dry. Okay. Good ones. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Before, okay, so I have one. Um, in addition to the two movies that we're going to talk about, I also watched a movie that I thought was insane. Mm -hmm. Not nearly as insane as Triangle of Sadness, <laughs> but a documentary, a, a documentary that is not up for an Oscar, but uh, a documentary that I really, I do recommend it. It's called The Race to Alaska. Mm -hmm. And it came out, I think, last year. Mm -hmm. And it is about a boat race that takes place every year they start in Washington state and race up to uh, the city in Alaska called Ketchikan. So they race along the Canadian coast and get to Alaska and it's a 750 mile journey. And the only rule is that none of the boats can have motors. That's the only rule. Build motors can't, can't have a boat. Can't be a motorboat. So it's got to okay. be a sailboat mm -hmm. and, um, and the people who respond, the people who participate in this race are lunatics. <laughs> and uh, so it's just this collection of characters and people. One guy tried to, or one, he did do it. He went 750 miles uh, on a, uh, on a paddle boat, you know, with, with a, with a stick, you know, the standing up and doing that. And the coast guard is like, um, listen, you know, you're going to be going through a major part of uh, uh, this sound where your cell service won't work. 
So if you give us a distress signal, we're first of all, we're only looking for live bodies, not dead bodies. So wow. I, I mean, <laughs> the, the, this race is no joke. Wow. And um, and of course, everyone's filming themselves and they they do it over there um, and not for, uh, probably a fraction of the boats that start out finish. A lot of people drop out. Um, <clears throat> but uh, first of all, the, some of the photography, some of the uh, sites that you see, the nature, amazing, uh, just incredible shots. And then also just things about the human spirit. And then also just, just quirky people who are like, what motivates you to spend a week and a half, <laughs> like risking your life, really, uh, to try and win. Oh, the first prize is $10,000. Second prize, a set of steak knives. That is the actual <laughs> second prize is a set of steak knives. So it's Glen Gary, Glen Boat. Yes, yeah, so whoever did that was a fan of Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Yeah. So they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it for the, the glory and the... Yep. Anyway, very interesting movie, The Race to Alaska. Where did you watch it on? I think it was on Amazon. Yeah. I'm very certain it was on Amazon. I told Laura about that. That sounds like something she would like. Absolutely. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Should we talk about the two movies? So we watched two movies at a very successful Oscar party. Yeah. Um, thanks to Eileen for making up a delicious chicken tortilla soup boys that yeah denzel loved it denzel was like i was like hey denzel we're trying to save a little you know for the week you know well, he, he stopped glaring after he ate that tortilla soup so uh you know you have to make concessions yeah, mission and accomplished he calmed down after that he did like, he did so, so that's fine yeah. sure mm-hmm. um anyway uh the first movie we watched was causeway which looked to be like an indie film. It did um, look like it. Yeah. Starring Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a um, army uh, soldier who suffers a traumatic brain injury in Afghanistan and must rehab at home. Uh, and, you know, while she's rehabbing, she confronts, uh, you know, her mother whom, with whom her, uh, Relationship is complicated, and she also strikes up a new friendship with uh, a neighbor. They, the The film looks like it was shot in New Orleans and uh, on location, so that was pretty cool. Uh, just the the shots of New Orleans, and um, she strikes up a, a new relationship with an auto mechanic who is played by uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who gives a very powerful understated i thought a very understated performance but also very powerful some great scenes he's nominated for best supporting actor um you know while we're at it i'll just start with my thoughts of the movie i thought that um it was very heartfelt movie and i i was engaged with the story um you really uh feel for jennifer lawrence's character because this is a person who um, is dealing with a setback, a life setback, and is questioning everything um, and wants so desperately just to get out, 
get back out of a town she thought she had escaped and thought that she was moving forward with her life and is now tumbled back. And um, and there's a chance that she may never, because of the nature of her injury, that she might never. Uh, and so you see that in her performance, the uncertainty yes. and sometimes the fear. I thought she gave a very good performance. Honestly, I would rather have Jennifer Lawrence nominated than Anna de Armas, because Blonde is a terrible movie. Mm. Causeway's a better movie. Jennifer Lawrence is better than actually I don't I don't think Anna Darmus is that bad in blonde, but Jennifer Lawrence is better. And it's like Jennifer this is what what usually happens is Jennifer Lawrence would get nominated. It's an Oscar worthy. She's been nominated before. Yeah. But for whatever reason, she didn't seems, get denied this time. And she's really good like, in it. She is. She's very yeah. good. Seems mm-hmm. like she definitely made the movie like with Oscar in mind. You think so? I it was one of those types of movies, you know, where she's I mean she's in every scene. Um she's th- like I said the performance I thought was understated but very you know. So you thought her and Brian T- Tyree Henry both their performances were understated? Brian Tyree Henry's for sure and I think Jennifer- they, no, I agree with you. I think they both were. And I think Jennifer, I think the film overall is, you know, is pretty Because there's a lot never because the movie. Oh, yeah, you never accuse it of being over the top. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the movie. It could have could have gone a certain way, but they they did. They kept it grounded. Very. Yeah. Lots of good scenes between the, those two actors, Jennifer Lawrence and there's a real ease between them. You could tell they yes. hit it off right away. Yeah, there is chemistry between those two. Yeah. There's very, there's definite chemistry and the the powerful scenes where they have to like show emotion or reveal parts that because they're growing closer uh, together. Uh, those scenes I thought worked very well. Um, and especially, um, I, you know, I don't know that I would vote for Brian Tyree Henry for the Oscar. So I've seen all the five performances now. Yeah. It's um, two, two Banshees guys. Yep. And the guy the from other, the, uh, everything Judd Hirsch. and then Judd Hirsch and the Fatal. Yeah. Ones. I so, would probably go with the guy from everything everywhere once is probably going to win. Yeah. That's what they're but I might vote for out of all of them. I might, I might vote for Domhnall uh, Gleeson. The two, you mean Brendan Gleeson? Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. That's his son. Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Brendan Gleeson. The, the two, I feel like the two Banshees guys are going to cancel themselves out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything everywhere wants guy is supposed to win. Yeah. I personally like the other guy from Barry, uh, Barry Kogan in. Yeah. That's who I would vote for. Mm-hmm. So just to let everyone know. Next week on our next recap episode, it's our last one before the Oscars because we're we're going to miss a week. Yes. Week before the Oscars, we're not going to have a podcast. So me and B will probably, probably rapid fire. We're going to make our predictions in the major categories and probably and say who we want to win. How about we do it like that next week? There you go. And by That's next good. week, I will have seen all the best pictures. Might be tough to see all of the acting performances because some of them are hard to find. 
<laughs> I know, right? I know. But I'll do my best. Well, we can all, that's all we can do. Yeah. And we'll talk about this in the production meeting. You know, I may uh, have some uh, writers and contract demands uh, on that, but uh, that will all be sorted out um, through my new agent um, that I didn't want to spring this on you. So I'll just spring it on you now. Uh, I have a new agent, Shirley, um, mm -hmm. Shirley McConkle. And, uh, Shirley will be handling a lot of those discussions moving forward. So All right, we'll, we'll see how that goes. You'll meet Shirley. She's about um, six foot five. Wow. And, uh, played professionally in Russia. So nice. she commands a room. Okay. Um, so, uh, and uh, also uh, she came recommended by morgue. So that'll give you a, a sense mm. of her negotiation style. Okay. Um, yeah. I can see the intimidation. I can see back. the intimidation in your face already. You're intimidated. <laughs> this is this is a bold power play move on my part. Yeah, hey, question for you before we move on to the next movie we watched. Yes, that's, now that my have naked you ever, threats have. Have just, you ever watched uh, Atlanta? You know, I've tried, and I don't know. I just it's one of those like I want to like Atlanta. I know that I should, mm -hmm. and. Every time I keep watching it, I'm, you know, I'm just like, I, I'll watch one show and then I'll go on to the next one or, you know, you know, that'll be the end. And then I will, next time I turn on the TV, I'm always drawn to something else. I'm like, oh yeah, Atlanta, I'll, I'll get to it kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's my feeling. Henry Henry is so great on that show. He should have won yeah. Emmys. Actually, I, I mean, that whole cast, it's, I almost feel like this nomination is partly a reward for how Atlanta. great he was on Atlanta. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Um, yeah, he's an exciting talent. And mm -hmm. uh, I like the movie. I, I did not care for the ending. I'm not going to give away the ending. I thought, mm -hmm. I thought they couldn't figure out where to go or what to do. Well, both so parts had kind of ended thing. it. Yeah. All right, let's get into the second movie. Uh, we won't. <laughs> yeah. So the next movie, uh, which is uh, can be best described as satire. Yes, that's exactly I, what it is. I mean, probably one of the most brutal satires that I have ever seen oh. uh, in quite some time. Uh, and it's nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, the movie is called Triangle of Sadness. Uh, it was nominated in addition for, um, and it won the Palme d'Or. Mm. I'm totally butchering that. But the Palme, it won the Palme d'Or in uh, the Cannes Film Festival uh, in France. Uh, the director, Ruben Oslund, um, he's Swedish and, um, and this movie, <laughs> it's basically you meet, uh, the, the two main characters are, uh, they're supermodels or influencers mm -hmm. called, uh, Carl and Yaya. Well, they're models. They're both models too. Yeah. But they're also, I feel like Yaya was supposed to be a supermodel. And Carl Definitely. is supposed to be more of just like a model, but not 
at the level she is. Yeah, she's definitely the star. Yeah. And so you meet them, and that's the first part of the movie. You meet them, and you get a glimpse into their relationship. And and it's really just about them, and you're meeting them, and you're like, okay, what's this movie? And it's funny. The stuff is very funny. They, um, you know, Carl is saying, you know, I just want to throw off, uh, you know, traditional gender roles in our relationships and just, you know, approach each other with a, from a perspective of equality. So I just want to know why you never pay for dinner. (laughs) Well, I didn't see the card on the table. You didn't see the card on the table. It was there really. You're telling me that I, you know, and she's like, well, I'm just biding my time, you know, until I become a trophy wife. I mean, she's right there. I mean, she was on, I mean, so this is the type of, so you're just meeting them and then, and that's like, and they say that's part one, part one of the movie. And then part yeah. two, you, you then see them again, Carl and Yaya. Now they are on a luxury cruise liner yeah. of the highest uh, quality. Yeah. This is a luxury cruise liner for the Uber rich. And so you meet a lot of the passengers on this cruise ship including Carl and Yaya. And they're all pretty terrible people. And they're, and the crew, you also meet the crew and the crew, their motivation is to, you know, cater to the guests, every needs. So that at the end, they make just scads of money in tips. So that's their motivation. And then you've got the second crew who lives in the bowels of the luxury cruise liner. And they are the ones that actually, you know, clean the ship and, uh, you know, repair the engines and do all the dirty grunt work that nobody else really sees. They're not, they're not allowed to even talk to the crew. They're there to just make sure that, that the boat runs well. And um, so you meet all of them and the captain of the ship played by Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson is the only big name in the entire movie. And he uh, cannot stand anyone on the ship. So he never leaves his room. (laughs) So, so much social commentary going on in this. And so this second part follows them as they're going on the cruise, uh, culminating in the most unbelievable captain's dinner scene I have ever seen <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was one of those scenes, not to, I've just never seen, <laughs> it was one of those, it was very well done. Yes. That scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it uh, wasn't, it felt real. Yes, it did. That, that was the whole. Like yes, talking about in Causeway, it could have just got too elevated, but you yeah. felt like this happened. It was never completely over the top, but the satire was very. Um, <laughs> I mean, the satire was. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but you know what scene I just the one part of that scene that I thought was the funniest. I mean. <laughs> I don't think it spoils it if you say that it's a captain's dinner that was held on a night where uh, the seas were very rough. Right. right. Causing a predictable outcome. Mm -hmm. 
during the dinner and how that unfolds and then the boat completely going to seed after that. <laughs> and then after that night is over and everybody has been decimated by the captain's dinner. Uh, oh, they're, by the way, they're set upon by Somalian pirates who blow up the ship. Um, and which leads you to part three where they are shipwrecked. And now you're following certain survivors of the ship on their uh, on their adventures, um, which leads to even more satire because the social roles of the people are now reversed because they have to survive. So, so I'll, I'll just pause there. Um, and I, this movie totally took me in ways that I did not expect. And, um, the characters were as in any satire, it's really what they represent. And the larger points that the director is trying to make about, you know, the, you know, how, uh, really class inequality and how, um, if you take the, um, people in one situation and put them in another situation, the, the, the whole power dynamic changes altogether. There were some very interesting observations there. I mm -hmm. thought, I thought the acting was, Excellent. That's that's a question I have for you. Would you take any of these actors and re replace some of the nominated actors? Oh. Uh, but who's the lead, though? I feel like the whole cast is supporting because there's not like a main. Well, I guess I guess Yaya and Carl would be the leads. Yeah. That's a great question. And while I'm thinking about that. I'd put Yaya in Best Actress for sure. I thought she was great. She was great. Mm -hmm. it, was she your favorite performance out of the movie? Oh, Everybody man. was terrific. Man, it's a hard one. I, it's I, a hard I one. I liked her a lot. I liked the uh, the shit seller guy. He was great. <laughs> Woody captain. Harrelson. This is the captain. When he gets on the intercom, oh, oh I was roaring. That's a, such a great scene. Yeah. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson was terrific. You missed him. I even said that to you when you're watching it. Yeah. I mean, when he's not in the scene, you're like, bring Woody back. No, not that not that it mattered, because the whole movie's good. The whole movie's Doesn't matter good. if Woody Harrelson's in the scene or not. But anyways. I also liked in a very kind of underrated role, but she did really well, was uh Vicky Berlin as the put upon um julie mccoy of the ship who has to keep everything running so she's like ahead yeah. of it yeah because she was just so because she's so uptight that's her job she has no idea how to run a ship she's desperately trying to keep the whole thing together as it's falling apart i thought she was excellent yeah and who else was i gonna say it or somebody else i wanted to say um Uh, I'll get back to it, I guess. Yeah. But would you put any of them in these categories? I, I could see, uh, I could see, Car I could see Carl or Yaya. I mean, they. But who would they, you take out? See, they're for, both of the for leads. For me, Yaya would be easy. I just go, okay, bye, Anna de Armas. 
I'll sure. put Yaya in. Sure. Best actor, though, I think. Let me double check best actor. I think best actor is pretty strong, though. Yeah, you've got Colin Farrell. You've got. Um, Let's see here. I haven't seen Brendan Fraser yet. You've I haven't got, seen actually. I haven't seen three of them, so I can't really. Yeah, I guess. I guess I can't judge that right now. Right. Because you got the two obscure movies that got nominated. I'm gonna try to see Brendan Fraser before next week. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, and it's it's tough. I mean, you could put you could certainly put the Carl guy in. Well, I haven't seen those other three, so yeah, hard to know yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the performances are great. The writing's great. The observations are terrific. And um, and just little touches here and there, like Carl, the supermodel on the boat reading Ulysses, like that was killing me. <laughs> Hilarious. What <laughs> and, a big laughs. And what I, this is what I wanted to bring up too. Okay, so best picture now to me is these tears. The only one I haven't seen yet is women talking. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about women talking next week. Right. So you have, I thought Triangle Sadness was great. Did you think it was great or very good? I thought it was great. I've been thinking great. about it all day today. So I got Triangle Sadness, Fablemans, Tar, and what am I missing that I also thought was great? Oh, Banshees. Mm-hmm. Four great movies. Yeah. Four nominated movies I think are great. That's never happened. And then you right. had uh, ones I thought were pretty good, which is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and All Quiet in the Western Front, which I'll talk about in a minute. And then you have your three entertainments, which is Elvis, Avatar, and Top Gun. So I think it's a great group of movies. Not that I, I, you know, I thought Top Gun, Avatar, and Elvis are all like, you know, decent, good, you know, various levels of on those three. But it's nice to have those nominated because that's what they wanted to do with 10 nominations. So I feel like they really succeeded in getting a good representation of movies this year. And we'll see where Women Talking lands in these tiers for me. Right. But it's, I, I'm really... I'm really excited to see the Oscars this year. Um, I was thinking about satire movies because that you know this is like satire to the nth degree, and I was trying to think of satire previous satires that have won Best Picture, and I could only think of um, Parasite. That's a satire. But Parasite, Parasite to me has an Oscar feel to it, though, because mm-hmm. Parasite's dark. There's not yep. comedy in it. Triangle Sadness has so many big laughs in it. That's big why laughs. I'm, I'm surprised it got nominated. And so you start thinking about who votes in the Academy, because it is lacerating to rich people, and there's a lot of rich people in the Academy. <laughs> so, oh my God. But it got and, nominated. And, and the director, what happened? Director got nominated too, I think. And what happens to the rich people is so funny. Yeah. Um. That uh, you know, you just uh, 
Um, yeah, I network networks kind of satire. Also, not meant to be a comedy either. Um, and I'm trying to. I'm looking now to see. I don't. I can't remember if Doctor Strangelove did, which is like probably the greatest satire of all. Um, if that was even nominated for an Oscar, I don't mm-hmm. think it was. I don't think it won. So that's all kind of working against Triangle of Sadness. Like, I just don't think a movie like this has ever won uh, the Oscar. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great that it got nominated. I agree. And it obviously has a lot of fans behind it because it didn't just get Best Picture. It got Best Director. Right. And it's a foreign film. Right. So... It might if it, if someone's going to get an upset, it's going to be this movie. Could be, yeah. and the fact that it won the Palm d'Or is really uh, yeah. working in its favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where do you rank it, Beeve? So, I mean, it's hard. Do you All right, let's better better than. What's your favorites? Because I know you love Banshees, right? Yeah, I'm trying. That's what I was thinking today. I was like, which movie did I like better? Mm-hmm. Um, Ban- I laughed a lot at Banshees, too. I laughed yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to go with Banshees of Inisherin over yeah. Yeah. Triangle of Sadness, but it's close, very mm-hmm. close. So I guess that's at the end of the day. If you liked Banshees of Inisherin, I predict you are really going to like Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, it's. I keeps the word that keeps popping in my head for triangle sadness is audacious. Because me and you were just surprised. I just had no idea where this movie was going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could say uh, that about Banshees too. Banshees, I didn't know where it was going. Yeah, that's true. I am very glad. And so I guess um, I am very glad that I did not know anything about the movie other than that it was a, you know, that it was a, uh, a, a satire. I didn't know anything else about that movie. I mean, I'm glad I knew that it I was, didn't. I knew it was on a boat. Right. I knew Woody Harrelson was in it. That was right. about it. Yeah. And I'm glad. I'm glad that's all I knew. Because the, it it just took the it takes the viewer in so many crazy directions where you're like, what am I watching here? What's what's going on? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that uh, it really, um, you know, I was I was glad for it too because, and I it, that's not the kind of movie that Oscar that the Academy Awards really goes for at the end. That's not the kind of movie that wins an Academy Award. Yeah. yeah, that's why so, I think it's really going to be a fun Oscars because anything can happen. There's there's great movies. I'll have seen all the best pictures by then too, so I'm going to be really invested this year. Yeah, because sometimes I mean it's just something I like to do. I like to see all right, what got nominated. In some years, it's a chore because some of the movies you're much like what. <laughs> right. Oh. But this year. Even even Top Gun was decent. I didn't expect Top Gun to be good, but I was entertained. So I, I enjoyed it. No, no best pictures. Where I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. 
any other uh by the way i don't think a satire has ever won mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's that's another picture that's another thing so that's a that's for, for it to get this far already is pretty impressive that would be breaking uh all kinds of by the way uh what i didn't realize is that um uh, a version of all quiet on the western front from 1929 one best picture yeah i think i saw that i did not know that yeah um, and that's why i'm surprised a little surprised one that it got remade yeah that's well, almost 100 years ago so two that it got nominated but i think i've seen it i think oh, i the, saw it in school the really old the one book. yeah unless i'm mistaken or maybe i saw it somewhere else and watched a movie and the books did you read it growing up? Yeah, I had to read it for, uh, I think, in yeah. college. So it's a famous book, and somebody decided to do the movie again. And I think the movie's good. It's There's there's a couple really good scenes, a couple of really powerful ones. And I'll just say one of them. So at the beginning of the movie, you have all these recruits. They're excited to join the war. Yeah. And... They're getting issued their uniforms and everything. And this guy looks at his uniform and he sees a tag on it. And he goes back and he goes, oh, this isn't mine. He goes, this this was supposed to be for somebody else. So the guy cuts the tag off. And then under his table are all these tags. Right. Because these kids don't know what they're getting into. No. And that was just a good way to show that. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's a war movie, and it's brutal, and it's well-made, and it's good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm, uh, I liked it, but it's not like something that's another level of war movie. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to get nominated for a World War One movie or a World War Two movie, there's got to be something different to it, I think. Not that I don't think it's a good movie, but would I vote for it for an Oscar? Probably not. It's one of those movies you probably will watch it once and then you're like, okay, I don't need to see that again. Yeah, it was, it was good. I don't regret watching it. Yeah, yeah. Like any of the best picture movies so far. But it's like it's a powerful emotional thing. And you're like, Oof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, any well-made war movie is going to get to you. Because right. if you're... A human so yeah uh the other nominated one and not for best picture for best animated i watched turning red which is darby's favorite and i liked it i liked it so i've seen puss in boots and turning red i think i liked puss in boots better though okay this puss in boots kind of has a little bit more of an adult level to it because it's about mortality which right. is kind of odd. It's Puss in Boots, but yeah. And there's, I don't know. There's deeper messages going on. Yeah, I don't know if I, I'll try to squeeze in. There's three other ones, but I don't know if I'll get to all of them. But I'll I'll, I'll do my best. I saw but, Pinocchio and uh I, and and that got the um, Francis McDormand Denzel Washington treatment from me. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. uh, Guillermo del Toro is not pleased with me right now. Oh boy. I know. So that's that's my review. I feel like Pinocchio. I fell asleep. 
I feel like that's the one that might win. It, the the animation was stunning, but the story. Yeah, the Oscar Oscar winning director doing an animated movie. Yeah. You like to think he'd win. Yeah, the, but the I story, think Turning Red's the most popular one. The story the the story of Pinocchio was it was it was it was boring. It was no good. The, the the writing was not nearly as good as Puss in even Puss in Boots. Yeah, or Turning Red. Did you, you saw both of those? I I just know that Pixar movies and are in generally are much more just given the level of Pixar movies that they I know this is going to be much better written than Yeah, I to me Turn Red I liked it but I think it's a lower level Pixar movie. Mm. It's good, but it's not as good as the classic ones. Yeah, with like Pinocchio, I'd be curious in your opinion. I just thought like the animation was incredible, mm-hmm. but even that, I was like, I didn't think it was like, like unbelievably stunning. I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah. But I wasn't never like, oh my God, I'm watching. No, I just never was like that. Yeah. Well, maybe I can watch it. We'll talk about it next week. Final Oscars recap. Okay. Predictions and favorites. For you, the Jagbags listener. Oh, man. Get ready. Yeah. Um, well, let's wrap this up with our music reviews. Yep. Rolling Stone's top 500 <clears throat> albums of all time. I'm getting right into it. No fanfare. Just right to, the, right to the reviews, right to the expertise. We're at number 194. The album is bad. <laughs> not that the album is bad that's the name of the album <laughs> bad by michael jackson this has i can't stop i just can't stop loving you bad the way you make me feel and of course man in the mirror uh this album is not a top 500 album um and the anticipation for it was off the charts i bought it the first day it came out i was like oh my god a new michael jackson album this is going to, you know, the hype for this was it's going to sell even more than Thriller. And it sold a ton, but it was viewed as a disappointment because it didn't sell eight, 80 bajillion copies the way Thriller did. But it wasn't as good an album. Not, not even close. Um, in my opinion. There's only, oh. We're going to talk the- about bad on the next segment. So, Okay. Oh, so uh, you have a look on your face that's like, oh, really, Beep? So I look forward to your rebuttal. No, I only liked uh, Man in the Mirror and Smooth Criminal. Those are the only two songs I liked on Bad. What was the first one? Man in the Mirror. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll rebut that in a minute. Make that change. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Album number 193, Willie and the the Mirror. (laughs) Uh, 193, CCR, Willie and the Poor Boys. Good album. Um, Any, I mean, just for Fortunate Son and Down on the Corner alone. All time. So this is, uh, this does belong in the top 500, although I think 193 is pretty high. Um, I would put in like the 400s um, just because I don't think the other, I don't think this is like a, by this point, 
when you're getting in the top 200 songs or top 200 albums of all time, really, there should never be a clunker in the bunch. By this time, they, we can all come up with 200 albums that from start to finish are great. It's like Oaken says, it's an I demand album. <laughs> so that when you hear, uh, when you hear the song bad, you say, I demand to hear the way you make me feel. And oh. after you hear the way you make me feel, I demand to hear, I just can't stop loving you. <laughs> There's got to be an order and you have to, de it's called an I demand <laughs> album. But you Willie know what's on Willie and the Poor Boys? That's great. One a uh, deep cut. Effigy. Effigy. Great, great song. song. Yes. Great song. And I just Love don't it. think it's a, I don't think it's a 100% where I never have to hit the skip button. Not once. And I, I think to it enough in my life to say that, but man, Fortunate Son, Effigy, Down in the Corner, pretty good. I mean, those songs are great. And don't get me wrong, again, this belongs. Mm -hmm. This belongs. Um, okay. But 193 is too high. Okay. Uh, 192, Beastie Boys, Licensed to Ill. Um, <clears throat> I We've talked about this album before, and... I I think this is high, too high. But again, uh, this belongs because I think that this was, <clears throat> for me, this was the first album that I was like, oh, <clears throat> I really like, like hip hop can really work for me. I, th I feel like all the other albums leading up to it, I was like, I like this because I'm supposed to like it. But License to Ill, I was like, no, I actually like this. Um, and I still hate fight for your right to party. Um, We've talked about that a bunch of times in the podcast, I think. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, you know, I think that, um, what I liked the most about this was how it took, you know, um, hard, hard rock and fused it with like hip hop beats. And, um, and I think the rapping was secondary because at that time they were just a bunch of brats and trying to make a name for themselves. So, you know, it's all about partying and drinking beer and meeting girls and whatever. Um, They're abrasive. Yeah. And problematic too. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the, the lyrics by far have not aged well at all. Another huge thing. So, but uh, for the music, it's, I, you know, ahead of its time and kind of like was like, oh, you know, this this could really work. Uh, metal riffs with hip hop beats. Um, 191, Etta James at last. Etta James is one of these uh, singers that just has gone under the radar. Um, and but I mean, she has a fantastic voice. Um, and, uh, you know, at last is one of the all time great songs. Yeah. And, um, I think, I don't know that this album is top 200, but this is another one that like, I, I could absolutely see this in the top 500 of all time, just because she's Did you great. you know any of these songs? Were you familiar with this album? No. 
Yeah, I wasn't either. Except no. for, I mean, I knew it last. And I know the song Stormy Weather, <clears throat> but did she do the original version of that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. And you know, uh, I just want to make love to you. I mean, you know that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and she does a great job with it. Great job. So, um, I, 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 I accept this as a top 500. Oh, it says, I Googled it and says she's the original singer of Stormy Weather. Oh, there you go. Oh, no, no, wrong. I was going to say. Google was Google said that, and then I scrolled down and it said originally sang by Ethel Waters in 1933. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. But she was the original singer of At Last. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a standard. That's like, and nobody could really copy it and do it as well as she can. So that alone, mm-hmm. this album belongs. Okay. Uh, finally, 190. The album is called Tommy by The Who. Um, this album is great. It's great. Great music. I don't think it's as good as some of the other albums from this time. I think it's a little too long. If I had to rank, I would rank like who's next ahead of this. I would rank the Who Sell Out ahead of this but I would rank Tommy ahead of Quadrophenia. Um, and I think that all of the songs here are pretty good. I think it is comes close to my requirements for the top 200 where every song has got to be great. That's also tough because this is a double album and it's, it's like a rock opera. So some of the songs are meant to kind of advance what was, you know, plot of Tommy. Yeah. So, but I mean, the high points of this album are great. Great. So, um, you know, I, uh, and, and as far as like the, the sum of it, it's a staggering achievement, a staggering, uh, incredible way that rock and roll could be used and thought of. It was a rock opera. It was the first rock opera. So it was an incredible accomplishment. What are your thoughts on Tommy? I don't like Tommy. No, you're not a, you're not a Tommy fan at all. I like a few songs, but I think it's for a double album. No, shouldn't be a double album. I Single thought album, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's what is it? It's a boy pinball wizard, sure. But I remember listening to it a bunch of times. I just never could get into get it. Get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I will say that I like it better than Quadrophenia. What do you think of Quadrophenia? I'd have to look up Quadrophenia to see what's on there again. I thought Quadrophenia was way too long. Even like The Real Me, which is a jam, mm-hmm. it, that goes way too long. I don't think I've listened to Quadrophenia that much either. Yeah. Because we didn't, we didn't own it. I remember. I think I ended up. I got Tommy like as a cassette or something cheap somewhere, used or something. That's how I listened to that a lot. But I don't think I ever had Quadrophenia. But Quadrophenia has "Love Rain Over Me." That's a great song. Uh, There's another one I think is too long. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to listen to it again to yeah get a better opinion on it. Oh well, uh, that'll be your homework for the week. 
Anyway, that's my <laughs> that's my top. That's my, those are my five reviews from uh, Rolling Stone's top five hundred. So overall, kind of eh, and nothing where I was like, "F yes, this belongs." Yeah. So, All right. Well, let's finish cra- it up. Crabby beef. <laughs> I don't know. You didn't. You were too crabby because no you like. I don't think you disliked any of them. No, it's, I didn't. I really didn't. Yeah. yeah. I think bad was the only one you said didn't belong. I think that's right. Yeah. No, I don't think that's a crabby one. Oh, good. All right. So I'm on 385 to 381. Nice. My first one is from, I guess it originally got released in 93, but then it got released on a different label in 95, and then it got popular. And it's Deluxe. Better than Ezra. (laughs) How can you be so warm? How can you know what I feel? Well, it's the way you move your hands, and it's the way you understand. And that's the reason that I'm asking. That's In the Blood, my favorite song on the album. And I found out it didn't even get released as a single, but people liked it so much. It ended up on charts like hot airplay and all this other stuff because people loved it. Right. I think the only song they released as like a single where you could get the single was good, which was a a pretty big hit. I think it only hit number 30 on like the mainstream top 40, but I remember hearing good all the time. Do you remember this album at all? I do, but I never, I I'll, I'll be honest. I've never heard it. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's like I always think of Q101 when that in that era because I listened to Q101 a lot in the 90s when they would play all these alternative albums. This is like alternative but leaning towards pop a little bit. And the guy the guy's a really good singer. I like every song in this album. And I was I haven't listened to it in pretty long and i was like i remember loving this album and i'm like i wonder if i, I mean i put it on there because i know i'm like i know i listen to this a lot it deserves to be on my list but then you know it, it's really fun going back because i never know how i'm gonna react but this is this is really good it was uh number 35 on the charts southern girls really good song in here also crying the sun you should give it a listen to you. That's your homework. <laughs> I have homework. Lux by Better Than Ezra. We each have homework. Love it. Uh, and this, I think, for number 384, is the most underrated Beatles solo album, possibly. Hmm. And it's brainwashed. George Harrison. No. Came out in 2002. Brainwash you while you're sleeping, while in your traffic jam. Brainwash you while you're weeping, while still a baby in your pram. His 12th solo album, I, I guess I, I think it's really underrated. The first song, Any Road, that sounds like a traveling Wilbury song. Do you know that song? Yes. Yeah. And it's been covered a lot, I guess. Yep. <clears throat> uh, it hit top 20 in the U.S. Yep. 
Marwa Blues, which is an instrumental on the album, won a Grammy for Best Pop Instrumental. Yep. Pisces Fish, really good song. Looking for My Life. I uh, love the title cut. Went Gold in America. I feel like I almost have the same reaction every time I listen to this. I'm like, why don't more people listen to this? I think it's Yeah, I kind of was not, uh, you know, it was just kind of not um, uh, well, as, as it wasn't as big as, say, the Traveling Wilburys or Cloud Nine. But it's like, it's a it's a posthumous album. He died fairly young. He was only like 58. Yeah. He was a Beatle. Right. I mean, it went gold, but I mean, this is his last album. Right. And I, and I was also a little sad listening to it. I'm like, man, George could have had a bunch more good albums because this one's so good. And it was kind of fortunate that it got made because he was kind of working with his son and Jeff Lynn on it. So they knew where he wanted to go. Right. So when he got sick, he was kind of like, all right, let's let's finish this up. And so when he died, his son and Jeff Lynn were able to do it the way he wanted. They were able to complete it because they knew. Yeah, I mean, everything just, he wanted. Right. 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 Just, I mean, kind of sad story, but I, I really am glad they got it done because I, I really like it. Yeah. All right. Oh, here's my rebuttal album. All right. Let's hear the rebuttal. Came into 383. Oh, look. Someone has a different opinion <laughs> than me. Unconscionable. Beef. Annie, are you okay? Will you tell us that you're okay? There's a sign in the window that he struck you. A crescendo, Annie. <sighs> Annie, are you okay? But this I love is one that of the song. ones you like, though. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah, it's just. It's really surprising that this was like five years after Thriller. Yeah, I mean, he worked on it forever. He was trying to, he wanted to have it sell more than uh, Thriller, which, you know. But still, I mean. Which never was going to happen. But number one for six weeks. Absolutely. Six top ten hits. Five number ones. I mean, come on. And. Uh, I'll tell you the songs I like a lot on here. Okay. I like the way you make me feel. Me. Yeah. Uh, Man in the mirror. I just can't stop loving you. Like, Smooth yeah. criminal. I think yes. leave me alone. Leave me alone is really good too. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my rebuttals. Those are you know, you're like I really like this. I'm like me. Yeah. dismissed by beef's mix. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's good. I do think Thriller is better, but this is. It's a really good pop album, I think. All right, let's let's talk what, about some other ones. Uh, what about um, Speed Demon? I don't I don't dislike any of them. Mm-hmm. I just named my favorites. The others I think are fine. I don't I don't. There's no none of them that come on. I'm like no, I'm gonna skip this. So you like uh, Liberian Girl? Yeah, Liberian Girl's fine. Liberian Girl. Yeah, you know it's a Michael Jackson pop song. It's fine. But my question for you, I read this is what Spike Lee said about this album. He said, out of the big albums from 1987, Joshua Tree, Whitney, 
and Tunnel of Love, he thinks this one sounds the most current. Do you agree with that? No. Um, I don't. Although, I will say out of those that he mentioned, only the Joshua Tree is, I like, better than bad. I you, think don't like bad of, you don't like Tunnel of Love better? So I think bad is better than Tunnel of Love. I, I Tunnel of Love, I'm like, whatever. Oh, I like Tunnel of Love a lot. And so I like that, and I like it better than Whitney. But like current, though, like, do you think bad sounds more current than Joshua Tree? I don't think so. Oh, I do. You do? I, I, no, what I think bad sound more current, though. No, I think the Joshua Tree sounds more current than bad. Okay, so you agree with me. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting quote. I don't think yeah. bad, bad sounds like it's from the 80s. I don't Definitely. think it's like this. I think no. Spike Lee was trying to imply that it's like this timeless classic time. And thriller sounds now people are trying to make another thriller. So I feel like thriller has now become timeless, but bad. No, no. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, good. That was just a interesting thing. I, I it uh, is interesting. Yeah. came up with agreed. All right. <laughs> no, I, I got to look up Whitney. I want to know what's on Whitney. Oh, that was, uh, that's, uh, that's got, I want to dance with somebody who loves me. Um, it's got, uh, let's see, Whitney album. I think how I know was on that. I think that was on Whitney Houston, not Whitney. Whitney was the second album. Whitney had, didn't we almost have it all? It had. I get so emotional, baby, every time I think of you. And it also had Where Do Broken Hearts Go? Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good album. I do have one Whitney Houston album on my top 500. It's not this one, though. But yeah. I, I like So Emotional a lot. I think that's a really good song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Sorry. Beef is... <laughs> I don't like this noise Beat is directing at me today. <laughs> 382 is Departure by Journey. Yes. 1980. Now we're talking. Now we can start flipping tables. Yeah, yeah. Where were you when I wanted you to love me through the night? Where were you when I wanted you to love and hold tight? Come on. That's my favorite, That's my favorite song now. Come on. I love Where Were You. Where Were You is a song I just like. All jams. Scream. And it like walks like a lady. Good morning, girl. The big hit off Ulti- this was, Ultimate Steve Perry. Good morning, yeah. girl. The, yeah, he sounds great on this album. Yeah. I, I feel like when I was listening to it, I'm like, he sounds great and the guitars sound great. Yeah. Where Were You is great. I'm crying. Yeah, this is a good album. Really good album. And uh, I think this is what really made them take off. Like they made their dent with Infinity. Was wait, was this after Evolution? Maybe I thought actually Evolution might have been the one that was. I think uh, Departure was after Evolution. Yeah, but after like, in, that was their three first three. And then they really skyrocketed after departure, I think. Yeah, so because were, that's when gr- 
because that's when Greg Rowley left and to be replaced by Jonathan Kane from the babies and then let the hits begin. Yeah, that's when they really got. And I think that's part of the reason why I kind of moved away from Journey for a while because they were everywhere and my brother loved them and he would play them all the time. Like, I can't listen to Journey anymore. But now I, I, you know, then, but in the past five years or so, I'm like, nah, I like Journey. I've always loved, well, we'll talk about it in the future, but I've always loved Infinity. Infinity has never left my radar. I love that album. Yeah, Yeah. it was Infinity, Evolute, but Escape, which is like, Escape and Frontiers were there. Yeah, Escape and Frontiers. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was... I knew I liked it, but I listened when I listened to it. I was like, "Holy cow, man! This is like powerful." Is what I was thinking. Yep, agree with with Steve and and Neil Sean. Yeah, do you think Neil Sean is a guy who rates high up on people's lists as a guitarist? I don't think he. I don't think he comes to mind right away. What do you think of him as a guitarist? Well, he was in Journey, and uh, I, lo- I mean, Journey has all the jams. Yeah. So. Uh, and we've done a podcast on journey, um, where we go into, I don't know if we went into Neil Schoen quite so much, but no, I don't think we did, but yeah. Cause we were talking about sticks too. I think, I think it was journey and sticks. It was sticks versus journey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a great guitarist. Yeah. I, that right. my favorite journey album remains escape. Not Infinity for sure. Meh. I think <laughs> you don't like Infinity. I do. I do. I no. Infinity, now I'm just now I just like class. to say that now I just like Infinity to say Infinity is a demand album. Infinity Ooh. is is it though? Steve is turning don't get some, nuts. He's turning into some sort of Charlie Callis character right now. Yeah. I need to end this podcast soon, so I'm going to finish up okay. with the oh. latest CD that Brad Underwood has received. Oh, this is Brad's CD. And it's another uh, Beatle. It's Blast from Your Past. Yes. Ringo, Ringo Starr. Yes. 1975. With this compilation came out. I had it on vinyl. Listened to it a lot. I don't even know if you can get it anymore. Yeah, right. Every time I see your face... It reminds me of the places we used to go, but all I got is a photograph and I realize you're not coming back anymore. I mean, uh, this, this has hits. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's compilation. So it's, it's all hits. Photograph was on that. Turning into mythology. My purchases at music works where I got that box of singles. Yeah. And photograph was in there. Yeah. Like 50 singles for a dollar or something crazy. <laughs> crazy fail. <laughs> and that was before I was like, I mean, I was probably a little bit aware of the Beatles, but not really. Cause I think I got it when I was nine or 10. I'm like, this song's really good. That's my, I don't know. It's that and it don't come easier. Like one and one A and one B for my favorite Ringo solo. Yeah. And I love Back Off Boogaloo. Back Off Boogaloo, when I listened to it today, I was like, man, Back Off Boogaloo rules. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Oh My My, which I think 
he just made it for this album. Like, here's your new song for the compilation. I always liked uh, I'm the Greatest. Yeah, I'm the Greatest is good, too. What it like his his solo career though? It's like he this was his moment. He had Ringo, and then that's about it. Yeah, but he's a guy though. He he's like we talked about in the podcast we recorded earlier today. He's a guy who has to make music too. He like can't not do it. He's like, all right, I'm gonna get these famous guys to tour with for the rest of my life. I'm in this all-star band. I don't care. I need to perform. This is almost. It was a good batch of stuff to listen to this time. I guess if I, I always feel like when this ends, I I could immediately change everything. Right, right. Because better than Ezra and George and Journey would probably be my three favorites this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Ringo one's good, but I have that ranked the highest, but I'd probably, I don't know which one. I Probably Brainwash should have been higher. Because you forget. I mean, you listen to them a lot, but then, all right, you just forget about them because you, you have a lot of albums, and then you go back to it, and you're like, yes. Yes, I need to start listening to this again. I, I would vote. Um, I would vote Ringo ahead of um, Brainwashed. Me personally, Ringo is the solo album. Ringo, I picked Blast from Your Past. Sorry, sorry, Blast from. I meant Blast from Your Past. You would, would put that ahead of Brainwashed. I would. I would. I think Brainwashed is great. Not that Blast from Your Past isn't good. Mm-hmm. It's got all the Ringo you need. Yeah, but I think Brainwashed is. Um, there's just like art, art to it. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice. It's a, go, it's a great kind of swan album. song. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, which one was your favorite of these five? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, "Blast from Your Past." Well, no. Yeah, I'm going with "Blast from Your Past." You would. Yeah. nose. You like Ringo that much? By a nose over uh, infinity. That's tough. I could tomorrow. I might you mean departure or departure. I might say tomorrow. Yeah. I might be like eh, departure. I was wrong. Yep. All right. We're, yeah, those we're would here. be mine. Yeah. I Good one. Hear, I don't have to hear that noise anymore. So we're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Expect a visit from work tonight. I got this from James Wade. James Wade said, look, just de-escalate with just a little teeny tiny. Anyway, uh, thanks, Coach. Uh, We want to thank everyone for listening. We uh, encourage you to check us out on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, Also, subscribe to us. We are available wherever fine podcasts are found. Just Google Jagbags Podcast and pick the platform that best seats suits your active lifestyle uh click subscribe and you will get two episodes per week of our hilarious banter and world-renowned guests so please uh write a review make it hashtag jagbags please uh 
drop us a line on uh, any uh, platform that you want to, either here or on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Suggest a topic that you would like to hear us cover on Jag Bags. If we do, you will receive a Jag Bags t-shirt. Do it now. Don't delay. Get that t-shirt and wear it proudly. Um, want to thank uh, you again for sticking with us and listening. Uh, when you're ready to listen, put a little Jag Bags in your ear.